and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. This is a podcast to explore how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they are making as leaders. This podcast is a recording of our Future of Branding series. From the decisions facing CMOs to the commitments they are forging, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections. This is how CMOs commit. Hello and welcome to Siegel & Gale Future of Branding Roundtable. Every fortnight, we meet five marketing leaders to explore how they are building their brands. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design, and experience firm. This pandemic is a muse for marketers everywhere. The profound and prolonged experience of pain, loss, uncertainty, and inequality has unearthed deep reservoirs of creativity. Since COVID-19 continues to shatter normalcy, it commands us to work differently. It demands us to be resourceful, and it affords us permission to experiment, often without the expectation and pressure of a predetermined or particular outcome. Today, we will explore creativity through the lens of how five brands have responded to the crisis. I am delighted to welcome a global audience to our conversation today, and we would be delighted to hear from everyone in the audience on Twitter. Please tweet us using hashtag Future of Branding. Let us know where you are joining from, and in one word, what is your company's current attitude to creativity? As ever, I am joined by five marketing leaders. I'm going to invite each of you to get your voice in the room and answer that one-word question also. First up, Judy Lee, Global Head of Experiential Marketing at Pinterest. Your company's current attitude to creativity, Judy. I would say essential. Next, Chris Graham, joining from London, the Director of Marketing at B&Q. At the moment, it would be curious. Okay. Next, we go over to Abu Dhabi to meet Suad Al-Sarkal, VP of Columns and Brand at Tabreed. As Okay. Now down to Miami, Florida to meet Peter Georgie, the CMO of Celebrity Cruises. Good morning. Good day. Vital. Vital. Okay. And finally, Sven Rodlaw leads marketing, brand, and channel for Juniper in Dusseldorf, Germany. Resilient. Resilient. A lot of different words here. Great father for our conversation. So let's begin with a conversation with Judy. So Judy, Pinterest, the discovery engine, the heart of creativity and inspiration for many of us. Tell, tell us what your brand is about. 
and how you responded to COVID, if you could, in, in perhaps one example. Well, thank you so much for having me here for this discussion. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Pinterest is, you know, our ambition is that we're building the world's inspiration company, and our mission is to bring everyone the inspiration to create a life that they love. And it's not just about, like, a vibe or a feeling, but it's really about creating that urge to act. And I think, you know, especially this year, we've definitely seen a lot of momentum towards that mission. Um, a prime example of, you know, one of the things that we've done to um, respond to COVID is that, you know, we recently had launched a compassionate search uh, product last year here in the U.S. And it was based on some research that we saw from the World Health Organization that one in four people um, around the world would likely uh, encounter having some mental health issues. And so, you know, with our mission being all around inspiration, it's really about creating this positive space. And we know that a lot of our pinners come to us for positive quotes and they look for inspiration and, and really to get away from a lot of the negativity that's out there. Um, and so this past year, we did expand that compassionate search product, which is really a collection of well-being, um, emotional well-being activities that people can do right in the app. And it's something that we had um, collaborated with the Stanford uh, Brainstorm Media Lab on, as well as a few other uh, nonprofits around the world. So we're excited that we were able to roll that out in this time um, to nine additional countries, including the UK and Canada, Australia, Singapore, and India, among um, a few other markets as well. Judy, what have you seen in terms of your pinner's response to that program? You know, overall, as a brand, you know, we reach over 400 million people around the globe. And I think, you know, we know that quotes and positivity is the third most popular search term on our platform. So we know that people are looking for that positivity and that they want um, to see their way through the pandemic. And I think like many other folks and many other brands, we've definitely seen an evolution over the past about seven months. And it's not unlike the three stages of grief that we've seen um, as people have been experiencing the pandemic. And early on, we definitely saw um, a lot of activities about people were panicking and they just wanted to, you know, figure out how, how can they get the resources? How can they just survive kind of what was going on and how can they get the right information? And, and then it kind of moved on to what we started seeing people searching for is that they started to look up and started to think about what was ahead. And for us, um, we definitely saw people starting to think more about, you know, what I think early on, one of the one of the funnier searches are kind of volumes that we saw were DIY haircuts. I think you know as people weren't going out to their normal services and everything else, between that and home office searches and a lot of other things that we that really helped us inform like what our uh, users were really concerned about. So overall, I think we're definitely seeing like steady usage of it, and it's something that people really value as an escape from kind of everything else that's going on. Now, of course, inspiration is at the core of Pinterest. How do you keep creativity alive and refreshed for your team, and indeed, in terms of how it manifests in the platform? 
Yeah. So I think like lucky for us, like we do sit um, and have a lot of insights into kind of what people are pinning, what people are saving and what they're searching. So that really helps to inform our strategy and kind of where we um, tend to focus our efforts. And, you know, our platform, the mindset of most of the people there, they tend to be planning about the future and kind of what's ahead. And so that's really informed a lot of our strategy. And, and one of the things that we saw were that um, people are really excited to get back to celebrations and people have been searching for holiday earlier than ever. And so that really informed a lot of our strategy and how, how we were thinking about what we needed to do and, and the type of content that we needed to focus and create on. And, um, you know, as it relates to creativity, I think like many other marketers, you know, it's that old adage of creativity loves constraints. And I think we've all um, experienced a lot of that as, as it relates to, you know, having to pivot all of our marketing plans and, and making sure that we're listening to our customers and, and serving what they needed um, and what they were looking for. And so I think um, it's definitely been a uh, brave new world in terms of how we get things produced. Um, and, you know, even last week being on kind of remote video shoots were definitely uh, a, a, new, a new skill and a new muscle that we're all learning to develop. Well, thank you for that, Judy. Let's now head over to Chris Graham. Chris, you're Director of Marketing and Planning at B&Q home retailer and gardening retailer, significant seating provider in the UK, uh, 300 stores. What have you learned in terms of COVID? How have you been responding to it in the retail environment? Uh, so, I mean, I think for anyone else who's works or uh, works into retail, as you know, I guess similar to Peter with travel, we've been through a a huge crisis, I guess. So I, I think there's a context for it, which is back in March when Boris announced lockdown and we had to, we had ended up closing all of our stores. And um, particularly our sector is very uh, reliant on uh, store retail. So about 95% of our uh, sales are through stores. So suddenly that, that source of income disappears. And, um, and then I guess through that, you then learn to be you obviously got to be agile and creative. You've got to adopt a global supply chain. You've got 77,000 colleagues all wanting to turn up to work and, and do great work. And you've also got millions of customers as well who, at that time, um, it was our peak period. It's our equivalent of Christmas. Um, and the demand absolutely surged. So we certainly learned that pretty much the more people, more time people spend at home, they more than notice things that need to be done or they get told to go and do things. And so the demand went absolutely off the scale. So when you've got all your stores shut, demand going off the scale uh, and a business to protect, um, it's how you respond to that. So it was about being super agile, uh, about being inventive in how we can reopen our business in the context of a, of a pretty hefty lockdown. What have you learned about the British home homekeeper and, and how they react, how important home is in the psyche of individuals? Um, the, the, the Brits, the Brits love their home and garden, right? We just, God, we just love it. And um, we, I guess we, we are were part, I guess, of the invention of DIY, if you like, back in the 60s. So we're, sort of, we're kind of known for allowing homeowners to or, and renters to improve their homes. 
But when we went into lockdown, we saw that that surge. We saw, and we've been in an industry where so there's more renters in the markets. You start to own your home later and later. They start to become less, houses are less affordable. And during COVID, we saw a huge increases in interest from younger consumers of 18 to 34, who previously were getting tradespeople to do their work for them. Now they were starting to do it themselves. I'm sure Judy would have probably found that in the search volumes as well as, as interest to a partner. So we saw a, a definitely a rebalancing in terms of a demographic. And then when we asked people, well, why, why are you searching more? Why are you buying more? It was that piece around, I'm spending more time at home. My home has got to work much harder for me. We're all in it together. Schools were closed. You had kids under your feet and you had to do, you know, had people doing TV interviews with kids coming in asking for biscuits. It was a famous BBC moment uh, back in April. So people are demanding more from their home, and they're realising they had to start to make them work for them, make their homes work for themselves a bit more. So um, we also found a piece where we asked people what home improvement meant to them. They said, well, about 50% of them said, well, it's good for my well-being and health. And when you're stuck in your home uh, and you're not allowed to go out at all, people are finding almost solace in their in their gardens or their balconies or just their shared living spaces. So, I mean, really fascinating shift in consumer behaviour. Has it changed behaviour within B&Q in terms of how you work with agencies or other creative partners? So. Um, I'm not sure COVID has probably um, shifted our perspective and probably our creative bravery. Because we were in survival mode back in April, we were, as you know, sort of comfort in many ways is the enemy of creativity. As a leader in the market, we were very comfortable. So as soon as you say, well, let's try something, we're like, well, we, perhaps the status quo is a bit more comfortable and a bit easy and a bit less risky. So, but when you're thrown into that situation, you know, you have to take those risks. So, I mean, we opened all of our stores, we, we broke our fulfillment routes, we broke our website, we, we pretty much broke everything and we had to switch to manual. So we had to find ways through. And I think it increased the organization's appetite for creative, creative risk. And I think that then applies back into the marketing function as well. So, I mean, we've just launched um, a campaign described that we call Build a Life, um, which is sort of quite different to what the sector would normally do. We changed our creative agency to Uncommon London um, last year. And, and I guess the brief for them was to not follow the norm, to be disruptive. And I guess what I'm asking of our agencies now is to make sure they don't rehash the, the stereotypes of the home improvement industry, but to continue to push us. And I'm asking them to work in a different way as well, so that some of that creative spirit or ambition starts to rub up, off on the teams. It's harder when, obviously, it's all remote, but intensifying that level of collaboration and increasing exposure of all of our teams and all of our channels to uh, this particular agency is definitely helping them to you know, have a bit more creative confidence and, and try things and see how they go. So, yeah, I'm definitely asking more. Yes, and I, and I think that the tag is you don't buy a life, you build one. An interesting thesis from a retailer, so wishing you all the very best with that campaign. All right, Chris, 
Let's head over now to Abu Dhabi and meet Suhad Al-Sarkal, VP of Marketing at Chabreed. So Chabreed, a leading district cooling company in the region, B2B company, cooling some of the most iconic towers like the Burj Khalifa and the, Abu, the Dubai Mall, in fact. So yes. tell us, um, Suhad, what has COVID meant to you in the region and to Chabreed? To be honest, it was it was just a testament um, to what we stand for. We always publicize hashtag operational excellence as Tabriz, um, as being the leading district um, cooling developer in the region. Um, as you know, that we don't only operate in the UAE, we operate around the GCC. We have offices in India. So our our motto was that we thrive over operational excellence or because of it. Um, so having um, the COVID kind of um, just come down on everyone, it was just a testament to how ready are we to use our AI and our, our style of operational excellence to kind of continue operating such a unique and very um, necessary uh, utility service um, to, I always make fun of this, we don't live in the desert, we live on the sun, it's that hot sometimes in the summer. So it's, it's very important to have cooling that is not disrupted, that is that is efficient, that's sustainable, um, that we need to service our client properly. So it, it was just, uh, it was it's a tag on our shoulder that, you know what, no, we, we did good. We are a, a company with the, uh, amazing um, operational facilities and, and a team. Uh, we have great AI and, and it didn't, it didn't uh, hinder us. Um, even when the lockdown happened, uh, given that we have, um, you're talking about 83 different plants across our operations and none of them stopped during the entire period. And I want to make sure our audience understands it. Is it the, as I understand it, it's the centralized production and distribution of cooling energy from chilled water via underground pipes in particular districts? So let, let me just kind of like simplify the entire idea of district cooling. Basically, it's a big um, fridge put and built at a faraway land, away from where you guys are actually living, staying, whether it was in a mall, a hospital, a living uh, area whatsoever. And then we attach that fridge to those buildings through pipeline underground. Each establishment or each con uh, construction basically has a room that transfers or uses that cold water and transfers the energy to cool the air. And the water goes back in those pipelines and gets redistributed in that off-site fridge. Um, it is good for the environment. It is good in regards to co the, um, uh, consuming energy. Uh, 2019 alone, we have reduced cons uh, the consumption of energy by two, almost 2 billion kilowatts per hour and reduced the, the emissions of CO2 over 2 million uh, metric tons of CO2 in the atmosphere. So it is not only um, uh, it's not only beneficial for the actual establishment for you to utilize your rooftops for the building to look better, but it also helps you be nice and kind to the environment, given the fact that we're already going through a climate crisis at the moment as well. So, yeah. So, Suad, in the context of a B2B environment, you're a B2B mm -hmm. company. Talk to us about creativity and where creativity has a role to play in your processes and marketing. So when it comes to us, we have multiple stakeholders and multiple target audiences and, and customers that we, we speak to. It's not only business to business, it's B2C, B2B, and B2G. And um, um, 
our our focus is to make sure that we reach these people or these developers or the governments that have infrastructures planned ahead of time. Because retrofitting for district cooling comes at a high price and it depends on how old the area is. If there, we could face kind of um, difficulties in, 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 um, in establishing a district cooling um, uh, uh, environment. Uh, so we always kind of have to uh, be creative in educating the communities of how important district cooling is from the beginning of the planning of any uh, district or any um, infrastructure or any mall, any, any hospital um, and whatnot. So it, the creativity comes as part of how do we use the language properly? Because speaking to a government is completely different than speaking to a tenant or a homeowner and completely different to speaking to a developer. So we had to come up with ways of using different languages, um, same, definitely same message, but using different language to have the consumer, the developer, the government, the official all understand how beneficial this reforming is. And based on that, we've utilized all different kinds of platforms. So if you go online and you check our online uh, uh, presence, we are one of the most active district cooling companies there are online that educate the community in regards to health and safety tips, what is district cooling, how is it generated, uh, what actual places are district cooling um, uh, um, clients, um, et cetera. So the, the creativity came to humanizing the actual brand making that connection with that government, that business owner, developer, customer, um, trusting the breed because the misconception is always, wait a second, we have to pay so much money to create a district cooling plant. But we forget that when that payment equals to this benefit and this benefit and this benefit. So creativity came into humanizing the brand, creating that trust and educating the communities. What are you seeing in terms of COVID? What has been your most important response to COVID? Ensuring that our family, our Tabrid family is safe. Because when it comes to our actual operations, there is no human contact with the water from and to the actual plant. So we were not afraid about our product itself because it is at a standard that has no human interaction. It is completely cut off. It is treated with chemi proper chemicals and it is very safe um, for our consumers. Our most important point when it came to COVID is to make sure, ensuring that our family is safe when they go and operate. Because you're talking about uh, operators working 24 seven, 24 seven a day, uh, 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 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, ensuring that there is no cutoff when it comes to providing the service. So, looking at timelines, looking at grouping, looking at rotation, actually fitting the plants with, with, um, uh, with living spaces uh, for, for some of our, our staff to actually just live in the plants and just be safe and, and, and uh, careful and just protecting their health, basically, um, in addition to providing, you know, checkups. And, and it was more of an operational side of things. Um, uh, our, our entire corporate office completely went uh, home. So our main focus was just human capital, just making sure that they're they're safe and, and operational. But thank you, and thank you to your operators for what you do, Suad.
Let's now go down to Miami, Florida. I say down because I'm in New York City and meet our friend Peter Georgie, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Celebrity Cruises. So Peter, I think we all emphasize with your situation, sailing continues to be suspended as I understand it. Talk to us, tell us where you are in terms of COVID. And I recognize you're a global operator Probably COVID began quite early for you uh, with destinations in Japan and, and elsewhere. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We've sort of been dealing with this since, um, you know, since some of the initial outbreaks in, in Asia, thinking about the ships that we had there and, and where to position them, how to respond to that. Um, you know, it's been, it's unprecedented might be the word of the year, might be the most overused word of the year, but it's so apt because some of the things we're dealing with as a, as a culture, as people, and then as business leaders, um, there's just really no preparation for them. So we've, you know, we've dealt with uh, shutting down an entire fleet of ships, getting home our guests, getting home our crew, uh, getting guests home to, you know, dozens of different countries around the world, some of whom had shut down their borders at the time that we were able to get them off of ships. Um, I was in, you know, several situations where as a, as a CMO, I was writing, you know, letters to the governor of uh, some part of Chile at some point to explain to them what our protocols were. And that doesn't seem like it's, it certainly was not in the job description, um, but at a certain point in a, a kind of a crisis like this, your job really does become, how are we taking care of these guests? What are we doing to get them home? How do we represent the brand now to sort of this audience of one um, and convince them that we're doing everything we can to, uh, you know, take the best care possible of our guests? Uh, we spent a lot of those initial months of, of shutting down Focusing more so on the people on board than, than any other audience because we needed to let them know uh, when they were going to be able to get off, what we were going to be able to do to get them home, how we would take care of them. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time writing captain's announcements and letters that went under people's doors at night and that sort of thing. Um, and then really sort of wound down and were able to take stock at that point of, you know, what do we do to continue um, developing some optimism and tapping into that escapism of people wanting to go on vacation eventually. You know, I'm uh, perhaps unique in this group, but no one really needs to take a cruise. It's a purely hedonistic act. Um, you don't, you know, you might fly for business. Nobody, well, maybe except me. I was going to say no one cruises for business. I might be the exception to that. Um, but largely our audience is just there to have a good time. Um, and what we, you know, what we saw initially after a couple of months of lockdown was really looking bookings for summer 21, which said to me that there was optimism out there that we were going to be able to travel soon. Um, and I really believe that once we can, we'll value that experience a lot more than we used to. Now that this has been taken away from us, uh, you know, I've, I've been. Well, I'm fortunate enough to have been everywhere that my fellow panelists are right now, and I love all of those places, right? I miss it very much right now because I can't just get enough plane and fly to London or go to Abu Dhabi. Um, 
and they're really places to visit. So in some respects, I think the the absence of travel is going to make it far more valuable when it comes back. Uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. What have you learned about the traveling customer during this period? So certainly I share your sentiment that the lust for travel is still there and perhaps we will be more intentional about our travel plans going forward. What have you learned about how people responded to the suspension of sailing? By a large, people were quite understanding. Um, and we really did our best to, for example, if we had to cancel a cruise, um, we really took quite, quite good care of those yet in terms of future cruise credits and refunds. We really tried to do the right thing um, so that we could get them on board again once we, once we start to scale. Um, I'd love to say that every guest is understanding, some of them are not. Some people are very unreasonable. And that's just the reality is that some people don't understand and they'll just never be happy. Um, and that's okay. You know, we've sort of been able to do what we think is, is right to take care of people in the midst of this. Um, and most people get that it is that at this point, uh, we need to be doing what we're doing. As a global community, we need to be taking this very seriously. And we shouldn't be rushing to get back out, you know, exploring the world before um, we're all ready. So it's, um, you know, I think we've learned that most people are, are quite empathetic, quite understanding, and they retain this optimism and love for our product, which is, you know, is really great to see. It was wonderful to see online the Celebrity Apex being delivered digitally. Um, tell us about that and how creativity has informed your behaviors during this period. Yeah, you know, there is that um, funny the other day. I've been watching a lot of streaming videos, I'm sure everyone has. Um, and the other day I watched a classic album uh, documentary about Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. And there is that, you know, sort of line about necessity being the mother of invention. And um, we've had to do some things that we just never thought we would do before. And traditionally, a ship delivery is, it's a, it's a really, really big deal. Uh, you're, you know, it, you're, it really is a delivery. It's like delivering a, a you know, 150,000 ton baby or something like that. We're all really proud of this um, beautiful ship that's coming out. And normally, we fly over to France and we have a big ceremony and there's press and there's food and it's very celebratory. Um, and this year, that delivery took place. You know, we knew we wanted to take delivery, not delay that. Uh, we wanted to take possession of the ship and uh, begin training and, and understanding the ship a bit better. Um, but we were able to do that uh, over, frankly, this exact platform. We did that over WebEx um, with people in their homes. And it was really lovely. I think there's an element of this that has sued us all in a little bit more to um, everyone's humanity. You know, uh, the cats, the dogs, the, uh, the lawn guards outside, whatever it is, we now recognize that those things are normal. And we are not just the people we are when we walk through the door of the office building every day. We're human beings with families and loved ones and people to take care of. Um, I no longer apologize for calls when I need run outside and make sure my son has the right printouts for his first grade class. I just do it because life now, you know, in terms of sort of balance, it's all here. 
there is no balance any longer. It's all beautifully out of balance. Um, and so I think that's one of the more um, illuminating aspects of this has been that we understand each other better as people holistically, which was hard to do before. Peter, how are you keeping your team engaged and creative? I know you're very thoughtful about the team components. Yeah, I'm, uh, part of it is really encouraging them to overdo it. Uh, it's really easy to work from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep without a lot of breaks. Um, for those of us who have a family, it doesn't make it any I love my son. He doesn't make my life less stressful. <laughs> Not at all. Um, and so I'm really conscious of saying to them that they need to take the time to unwind, to disconnect, uh, to think about, you know, doing a phone call instead of a video conference. Everything became a video conference suddenly, and those are somehow more stressful. A phone call is somehow relaxing now. I don't know why that is. Uh, we sort of stopped doing those. Um, and then, you know, we've also taken this opportunity to really reevaluate the brand and the business in a way that we couldn't have before. Um, I was telling my team early on about you know, when the NBA shut down, a lot of those players took this opportunity to sort of change their workout regimen or recover from something or, or add a new skill in the middle of the season that they wouldn't have been able to do. Um, and that was sort of the mindset we took with the brand is that we have this opportunity will never be given again where we can reevaluate things without the daily grind of you know, hourly sales and really high expectations. Um, so we did sort of a three-month deep dive into the brand and our marketing to reveal um, some updates and some really thoughtful refinements to the way that we communicate and how we position the brand. Um, that is another one of the benefits of this, uh, is that we've been able to kind of step back and um, disengage a little bit and, uh, and really be mindful of what we want the brand to be in the future. So, you know, some of it is challenging them and some of it is encouraging them to uh, step back and relax and get some perspective because it's easy to lose that right now. Indeed. Well, thank you for that, Peter. Sure. Let's now head over to Dusseldorf, Germany to meet Sven Rodloff, VP of Brand and Channel at Juniper, one of the leading global energy companies that generates trades and markets energy on a large scale. So, very different business. Uh, Sven, uh, of course, you have a, a robust family tree in terms of your heritage uh, in the European energy context. So, so tell us, what has COVID meant for your company? You have a very interesting perspective seeing consumption and planning of energy. Yeah, um, um, great to be here. And yeah, COVID was, was, was interesting for us because I think it's similar to what uh, Suat said earlier about Jabrid as well. Obviously, we are running critical infrastructure as part of our business, so um, we have to be prepared exactly for situations like these. So uh, the current crisis was more of a, uh, for our brand, more of um, 
yeah, a confirmation and an approval again or a proof point um, that we can continue to deliver um, to our customers and work with them even even in these situations. So, um, and that's also why I uh, chose to say uh, resilient when to ask me for one word on on our approach to creativity at the moment, because um, I think we we are on a path anyway as an organization um, to yeah um, further evolve the energy systems. Uh, so we are not revolutionaries. We always say we are evolutionaries. Um, it's not going in, in in one day, but it's a constant process towards uh, decarbonization. And uh, we have started a lot already over the past five years since uh, the brand was created on the back of that long history. And uh, a lot of what happened this year actually kind of um, proved us in a way that we are on the right way, how we how we handle things. So we fared quite well actually uh, so far. And um, yeah, um, more or less continue to do our business as, as we've done before. What are you seeing in terms of consumers or your business customers attitudes towards sustainability and energy? Has COVID changed that? Um, not fundamentally, because I think, um, uh, like we just said, kind of the topic of climate change is on everybody's mind anyway. So uh, this is going on, hasn't been stopped by by the crisis, by COVID. Uh, quite on the contrary, sometimes I think, yes, it, it, it made less of the headlines, but at the same time then, when you saw that um, the um, less traffic in the cities and uh, lower production in the industry also um, improved emissions, uh, immediately was back in the headlines. So that, that hasn't gone away. And uh, also our work with our customers on their own projects, be it, be be it on the energy trading side, be it on, on their own power plants, uh, what we provide them in terms of energy, uh, that's still going on. Operationally, yes, it's a challenge, obviously, because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the lucky position, like most of my colleagues' staff uh, uh, positions, uh, we could just kind of uh, go and work from home one day to the next, and that worked out fine. But um, uh, the thousands of colleagues on the power plants operationally, they still have to work on the plants to keep the plant running. Uh, they have to work under, under safety constraints, and they do an uh, admirably job kind of uh, over all these months. And I think the key challenge there is when we have to do large outages, maintenance work, sometimes with hundreds of people, uh, our own people, contractors on site to make that happen under these conditions, uh, that, that's the real challenge that's out there. Overall, as a business and brand, I think we've had quite well. And, and uh, yeah, the, the customer's approach to that hasn't really changed. As I said, also for them, it was more of a proof point. Uh, these things have to keep running. And how are you maintaining creativity within the marketing organization? Mm -hmm. um, I think in terms of creativity, it's, we have seen several things. Um, one thing is that um, some things are easier now because also constraints sometimes uh, push you to be more creative. So both the problem, the solution spaces are smaller. So suddenly, oh yeah, um, um, you have to think about new ways to do things. Uh, but as I said earlier, um, 
some of the things that you thought were right and you started earlier have just been accelerated because, yes, we knew that digital collaboration and, and also creative work virtually uh, could work and, it's been, uh, and it has been done uh, in, in um, isolation sometimes. Uh, and now everybody's doing it because everyone has to do it. And suddenly you realize, oh, it works. Um, apparently, obviously, what, what doesn't work anymore is if you lose these um, the incidental creativity in informal settings. Yes, we have informal chats still also across our team and talking about this and that, and uh, there's creativity coming out of that as well. You find something out, but uh, the typical kind of uh, water cooler um, um, talk where suddenly something comes up that you haven't thought out before, there's less of that, and, and, and you have to account for that. An interesting challenge. Well, let's pick up that thread around what we've learned about creativity during the past number of months. Judy, Judy, on your reflection, I know you're a very reflective person. What has COVID taught you? So it, it's my mind went to what Peter mentioned in terms of you know necessity is the mother of invention and all these things that we never would have imagined for ourselves in terms of how we work how we collaborate, I think is our reality right now. And so I think for me, the main lesson I'm taking away is that we are an incredibly resilient um, people and humanity is incredibly resilient. And we will, we're optimistic and we're constantly looking for ways to make things better. And, um, and for me, I think it's how do I keep bringing newness into my world, especially when I'm stuck at home inside or what I was really um, very serious about being in lockdown here in New York City. But uh, so I think I'm constantly looking for ways to bring in newness and, and ways to surprise people and, and do that, whether it's for my team or um, in the work that I do. Where do you look for inspiration? Um, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Pinterest, of course. And so, um, yeah, I definitely spend a lot of time there. And I think for me, like, so much of inspiration is a full sensory experience. So I'm getting a lot of the visual from, from Pinterest or through my screens right here. But now that, you know, restrictions are kind of lifting a bit, I do spend a lot of time walking around in the city because that is so much of where I get my inspiration, um, whether it's the sights, the smells, just, you know, observing humanity and, and how, how they're acting, you know, when they're not stuck inside and at home. And finally, Judy, what is your personal commitment to replenishing your energy? There's been a lot of discussion throughout the conversation about the uh, potential to overwork. Yeah, I mean, that the struggle is real, to be honest. Um, before the pandemic, I... I really thought of my home as an oasis, and I did whatever I could to never bring work home. Um, it's very strange, especially in the tech industry. I would just stay at the office until I'd done work, and I just wouldn't bring work home, and I traveled quite a bit. And so um, because those lines were so blurred all the time, I really tried to make home an oasis, and now, of course, the lines have completely blurred. And so it's really about being very rigorous about my schedule and having a definitive start and end time and, and being transparent about that with my team and, and as a leader, really encouraging my team to do the same because no one's going to set those boundaries for you. You need to do that yourself. 
Well, thank you for that, Judy, and indeed to Pinterest for the inspiration to all of us. So, Chris, same question, different geography, same question. Um, what has COVID taught you? Um, I think probably going back to the whole creativity point and what it's taught to me about creativity was I think previously we were in a mindset where you'd almost have to buy creativity in and it was something that other people did and then gave to you and that you then deployed. And I think increasingly it's made me feel around that, you know, creativity certainly for our businesses is, is a change of mindset, a change of a way of thinking. And whether it's people, you know, serving customers day to day or whether you're running an ad campaign, right, it's, it's how you respond to the things you are presented to you and how you um, are more inventive, more ambitious, more outward looking. And I think that, that how can we fuel that culture or spirit of creativity? And in many ways, our, our, the old ways of working where you're sitting in an office probably counted that because our office wasn't particularly creative or inventive environments, but we sort of like broke free from that uh, that uh, board and chain. And I think the home environment, which means everyone's had to work quite dynamically, right? Where it's like you're, you're taking the kids to school, then you're jumping on a call, then you're, you're eating at the same time as you're speaking to your boss or whatever. And, and I think that's, that has forced us to be much more flexible and fluid, not just the way we work, but the way we think. And that's, I think, has been the fuel. Where do you go for inspiration? Oh, well, for me and for us, it's always our customers. And you, they, they send us all of their, their home improvement projects, and it is, it's amazing what people are doing. Whether people, when our pubs shut, we had a whole load of people sending in pictures of them building bars in their garden uh, because they missed sitting at a bar. So, yeah, we ask our customers for a bit of inspiration. They're really happy to, happy to give it. And finally, what's your commitment to replenishing your energy? Uh, well, I mean, uh, holidays. No, I think it's, one of, it's interesting. This whole time, where do you get your energy from? And I think that, that spirit of adventure and change within the day-to-day -day is, is quite energizing because it's so different to the rest of my career. So that's sort of like a, on a work context. Now, I think very much on a personal level, it's about you know, working from home, yes, has its downside. You really miss that social connection where you get a lot of energy from. But being able to take five minutes out when the kids come back from school is, is a rarity, right, for, for everyone in their career. Or going out for a five-minute run at lunchtime. It's one of those things where, yes, there are downsides, but, yeah, we've got to make the most of the, the, the time we have, I guess, and the way of working. Certainly as a working parent, I identify with the joy of spending some time uh, with our children. Um, so, Suhaj, uh, what has COVID-19 taught you about creativity? Yeah, the scenarios arising from the pandemic has created very interesting opportunities for us to explore the concept of creativity. Whether it was us reimagining our brand um, or finding new ways of repurposing old, old material, um, it's been troubleshooting and learning every single day, basically. Um, that to me, there is no playbook for creative creativity, and but we're what we're doing right now is writing the new rules of engagement in the middle of the action itself, and it's, it's absolutely exhilarating. So, so that's that's what it taught me. And where are you seeking inspiration? 
So I, I reside um, on the board of Middle East PR Association, and it basically brings together uh, communication and PR professionals from all around the world. And, and utilizing that platform to look at PR campaigns from all these professionals was inspiring in so many ways, um, because it was not only the pandemic. If we looked at the news, people were fighting pandemic and fighting so many other things. Um, not, let's not be critical, but for example, Lebanon was, was going through a, a, an in the unbelievable crisis and how they dealt with that when it came to PR and, and communications was also very inspiring. So um, looking at, at those professionals out there is, is a key, definitely. Now, I know you're a very high energy individual, so, uh, so, so tell me, what is your commitment to replenishing that energy? So um, the situation right now, okay, backstory, I, I live, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. And my parents call me the gypsy. So wherever my job needs me to be, I'll just pack up my stuff and go. So my parents live in Dubai and I live in, in Abu Dhabi. And uh, given my career and, and my passion to go up the ladder, I don't really spend much time with them. So part of which um, this, this situation has created, it, it taught me anything. It taught me flexibility and the need for work-life balance. And, and it allows us to be able to be more responsible with our time. Um, and it made it so much easier to manage and, and, and balance through. So as I men mentioned, I don't, like I didn't get to see my parents and, and this just allowed me some more face-to-face -face time with them. And um, to be honest, they seem like very, very nice people. I got to be reintroduced to them. <laughs> that, that was nice, that was good, um, but yeah. That's, that's a good learning. Um, and and the, the notion of being responsible with your time, that's a very interesting concept. It's very important to put that into consideration because um, a, a couple of us have mentioned it and, and uh, Judy did kind of forget and you miss that line of, of when to stop and when to start working um, and, and your work becomes your life. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't stop laughing when Judy said, I go for Pinterest for inspiration. And it just, it just everything just becomes one. So we need to be responsible because it's not only us who are responsible for ourselves, we are responsible for the people around us who basically love us, such as family. We are responsible for our team members. We have to ensure that they also understand uh, what to, what falls entailed in their uh, on their lap and trusted to giving time for their mental health, giving time for their physical health, and giving time for living basically life. Well, thank you, Sue. So, Peter, among the many things operationally, what has COVID taught you about creativity? I think the, the biggest lesson to me is that it's undervalued um, and kind of continues to be undervalued. I think probably a lot of us are in situations where uh, companies are looking to be more operationally efficient. We're looking to manage um, budgets in a more brutal way than we have had to before, which is fair. But I don't think there's a business that's cut its way to relevance ever. And so as we've been going through this sort of like understanding of the situation and getting our companies to be financially viable, what I'm conscious of is that the next phase of this will require huge amounts of creativity. And that can be something that, um, you know, I think when you get to a certain stage in your career, it's natural to assume that you have to act like a business person. And sometimes being a business 
person in a career, person are at odds with each other. And what I've what I've learned through this process is that uh, as someone who comes from you know ad agency background and that sort of thing, to be able to um, inspire other people, understand a problem, communicate that problem to them in a way that they are challenged by it and interested in solving it, that is something that we don't put enough emphasis on as the business community. Um, when I hear, you know, when I hear folks ask, well, why can't we be more like Brand X? Why can't we be more like Apple, Nike, Patagonia? Well, you can. You absolutely can. You just have to make those decisions. You have to put an emphasis on the product and creativity and make sure that that's prioritized. So um, I think it is, yeah, I go back to my original statement. I think it's there, it's undervalued and it's more essential than it's ever thought at this point. And where do you look for inspiration? So I'm, uh, I'll say this, highly self-critical. <laughs> and so I'm one of those people who used to think pre-lockdown, I just had, if I didn't have this to me, I would blank. Right. If I didn't, if I was home more, I would do all of these. And in the first few days, it turned out to be none of those things. It's just like none of them. <laughs> and so it was important for me to sort of think, okay, man, this isn't going away. So why aren't you working out every day? Why aren't you meals every day? Why have you been on DoorDash instead of doing the thing you said you liked, which was making, you know, fresh meals or something? Why don't you pick the guitar up again? What, you know, so there's this sort of this list of things that I personally uh, had floating around that I was never able to do and recognize, well, actually, this is the time, isn't it? So why don't you start today um, and put a little something back in the tank now? And, and of that list, what gives you most energy? What's the best source of replenishment? Oh, for me, certainly music, 100%. Um, I've been, uh, but I've been playing the guitar for literally decades and the advent of things like this, where I, you know, I was able to take, uh, uh personal lessons from this uh, fantastic guitarist named Gina Gleason from a band called Baroness, uh, that never would have been possible when I was starting out. There are now, I mean, this whole universe of YouTube videos that I can just learn new things from that I'd never really been able to dive into before. Uh, so I am a, a closet, uh, you know, where I failed a failed rock star first and uh, an average CMO second, I think. We look, we look forward to having you back next time for a recital. No. <laughs> look forward to that. Um, so, Sven, uh, uh, finally, on, on from your vantage point, um, what has COVID-19 taught you about creativity and, indeed, the firm Unifer? Um, I'd, dare to, I'd dare to say that um, uh, creativity from within your organization is easier to leverage than ever now. Uh, I, I really feel that because um, 
Um, barriers have gone down. So in the past, you tried to lock people in a room to be creative. And yeah, some couldn't make it. You had to travel, et cetera. Now it's normal to meet virtually. And it's so easy now to get a more diverse um, uh, uh, group of people together virtually uh, to, to uh, talk about things, think about things. And also, um, the crisis has, um, in a way, forced us to do that. So I found myself talking to colleagues in functions I before um, didn't have to talk to, but now we came around because we had to discuss actually COVID strategies yeah, together, and uh, more and more came out of that. So I think, um, yeah, there are also uh, opportunities in there now. It's, it's now easier than before to, to get this creativity off the ground within your organization. And where are you finding your most inspiration? Um, similarly, externally, I, I think I haven't attended so many training sessions like these, et cetera, with, with peers and colleagues from other industries um, uh, before the crisis, because again, kind of it was the travel, it was the time, and uh, now the barriers are simply lower. So that, that's very inspirational now over the past few months and uh, fueling very much our, our conversations internally as well. Plus, yeah, I'm also one of the people who uh, picked up sourdough baking uh, during the lockdown and stuff like that, um, that as well, but uh, and privately and bringing my little one to, to kindergarten by bike actually and not by car uh, on the way to work. Uh, these are things that I, that I value as well. So sourdough baking made it to Dusseldorf? I thought that was only in Brooklyn, Judy. Without... <laughs> 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 Tell us, um, Sven, what do you do to replenish your energy? Is it the baking or is there something else? Uh, baking is part of that. So I think, like 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 the uh, like the colleague said before, it's um, um, the, now the blurring of work and 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 private life and just the little things, uh, um, uh, taking care of the kids, uh, doing small things like yeah, uh, baking a bread, uh, just in parallel to my work day, uh, kind of um, is, is just something that I couldn't have imagined before. What I miss actually is podcasts because I used to listen to podcasts on my commute, and the commute is gone now, so I have to um, deliberately make time for that in my schedule, actually. Well, thank you, and thank you all. So, in thanking our speakers, here are my reflections on today's conversation. In preparing for this panel, one of my approaches was to jot down who in my life I consider creative and why. An expansive list of qualities emerged, including curious, empathetic, resilient, tenacious, open-minded, and resourceful. From that exercise and this conversation, here's what I've learned about some of the commonly held beliefs and myths surrounding the creative process. The tangible peace myth. We often harbor a traditional definition of creativity associated with makers, poets, designers, artistic performers. This conversation has liberated the idea that creativity is as much about problem solving, a capacity to innovate a process, as it is about tangible outputs, and indeed relationship building as well. The Eureka myth, 
While a creative idea may come from a flash of brilliance, it is more likely the byproduct of sustained, prodigious effort, where an insight is the result of a deep understanding of a customer, a market, or a problem. The blank page myth. While having an open mind is crucial, creativity never comes from a void. It is constructed from a clarity of understanding of purpose and identity and stimulated by asking questions and seeking inspiration in places like Pinterest. Brand purpose precedes creativity in order to channel the efforts in the right areas. The abundance myth. It is very seductive to believe that creativity requires unlimited resources, budgets, teams, time, and that constraints curb creativity. COVID-19 and this conversation has taught us that the opposite is often true. The kumbaya myth. While establishing psychological safety is essential and vital to functioning teams, blissful agreement is not the best culture to engender creativity. Gnarly problems benefit from an outsider perspective that is uninhibited by the shared and accepted belief of why something can't be done. Creativity grows with cognitive diversity, collision, and inviting dissent. And my personal favorite myth, the exclusively B2C myth. Creativity transcends business models, as we heard from this panel today. The primary requirement for creativity is to be open to possibilities, to detours, and to be willing to adapt. No doubt there are many more myths to dispel to unleash creativity. And I invite our global audience to share your myths with us on Twitter. I'm very curious to hear them. Please use hashtag future of branding. I'll conclude now with a resounding truth. Refreshing our creativity is supremely important. As this pandemic moves, even oscillates from phase to phase, it is necessary for our goalposts to move as well. The risk with that behavior is that we may never pause to acknowledge our courage and our accomplishment. To nourish creativity, we must be compassionate with ourselves and create space to replenish our energy. As we all strive to create the conditions to harness creativity for our teams and our brands, we must never lose focus of this practice. With that, thank you. Thank you, Chris, Judy, Peter, Sue, and Sven. We acknowledge your creativity and we look forward to tracking your progress as you live out the commitment shared today. Thank you to my very creative production team, led today by Ashley Noonan and Mick Smith, 
assisted by Kevin Loftus, designer Gisem Karajas, researcher Ellen Hawken, and blog editor Daniel Alonso. To all of our audience, you are invited back on October 21st, this time at 12.30 Eastern, when I will be joined by five more marketing leaders. On behalf of everyone at Siegel and Gale, I'm Margaret Malloy, thanking you for joining us. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs commit.